You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Well, you might have to forgive me after this sermon because we're going to preach on an entire book of the Bible. That's the bad news. The good news, it's only one chapter long. Raise your hand if you are familiar with our scripture reading today and the story of Philemon. Not very many hands. I wasn't very familiar until this week when I really kind of dug deep into the, into the book of Philemon. Philemon is an epistle You know, many times we'll say the epistle lesson for today, but what does epistle even mean? Well, it's actually really simple. Epistle means a letter, a simple letter. And so Paul's epistles, which make up Paul's letters, which make up 25% of the New Testament, are simply letters. They are letters usually to churches he has begun, like in Corinth or Colossae, or he sent letters to the believers in Rome when he wasn't in Rome. Or sometimes he will have an individual letter. So Philemon is actually a letter from Paul to his good friend and new believing Christian brother Philemon. And we know that Philemon is a brother because... He actually hosts church services, worship services in his house. But this is a unique situation because Paul is actually under arrest in Rome while he's writing this letter, which he wrote a lot of letters from prison. But it's not necessarily a prison baby that that you're thinking in in your mind. He's under house arrest. Let's take a look in Acts 28. At the very end of Acts, we get a picture of of, uh, what Paul's situation is. So he says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense. This is in Rome under house arrest. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. So here's Paul. Now, he doesn't have like an ankle bracelet like he would today if he was under house arrest. I don't think the technology was quite there yet. But he's under house arrest nonetheless. And so Paul has people coming and going. New believers, seekers, finders. They're coming and going and he's preaching and he's teaching as he is in house arrest. So something interesting happens. Really, it's kind of miraculous. So Philemon, who Paul is writing this letter to, he has a slave. Does anyone remember from our scripture reading what his name is? What what the slave's name is? Onesimus. Okay? And Onesimus, well, he runs away. He's a runaway slave. But not only that, Onesimus stole on the way out of town. So this is not a good situation. 
So going a little bit farther with this whole house arrest thing and, and the uh, worship happening in people's homes, okay? People didn't worship the first 300 years of Christianity in a facility like this. They worshiped in people's homes. That was until, does anyone know the ruler of Rome who made Christianity the official language of Rome? It's like 325 A.D., Constantine, okay? So Constantine makes Christianity official religion, and then people are worshiping kind of like we are today, ever since. But back to the story. So the purpose of the letter from Paul to, the, to his Christian friend Philemon revolves around this runaway slave Onesimus. And so by God's grace, miraculously, Onesimus... He ends up hearing the teaching and preaching of Paul while he is in house arrest. And Onesimus becomes a believer, like a really strong believer. And he becomes very useful to Paul. We don't know exactly how, but it's going to be very difficult for Paul to give Onesimus back to Philemon now that he is... A brother in Christ and he's helping Paul in his ministry. Philemon 1.18 shows us that not only was, was Onesimus a runaway slave, he probably owes Philemon something too. Because Paul says, I'll take care of that part. He says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything from what he took, charge that to my account so what's Paul to do Paul has a new believing friend and help in his ministry but he knows he really should go back to his rightful owner so he's in a pickle have you ever been in a pickle do you even know what a pickle is and I'm not talking about something from the garden Here's an example of a pickle. know which way to go but Paul doesn't know which way to go what does he do with the situation that he's in does he keep Onesimus with him in Rome and continue to use him in his ministry however he was using him well maybe maybe not let's see in Philemon 1 10 to 11 he says and he, again he's talking or he's writing to his friend his good friend Philemon I appeal to you for my child Onesimus that's interesting right there isn't it? I, I appeal to you my child for my child Onesimus I would say the relationship has gotten pretty close 
Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So we find out in this verse that Onesimus was not a reliable, hard-working slave. He was useless. But now he's useful. Paul is very famous for, for playing around with words in his letters to people. And this is no different because it's very interesting. The, the Greek meaning of the name Onesimus is actually useful. But it gets even better. We can take it one more step because the Greek definition for useless is akristos, which means without God, useless. And then you take it one more step, eukristos means useful. So Onesimus, useful with Christ. You had a useless slave without Christ in his heart who becomes useful to Paul, to the Christian church. It was by the grace of God. And what? What is he doing in Rome? He ran to Rome of all places. God works miraculously through this whole situation. So indirectly, Paul is telling Philemon, your slave who was useless is no longer useless. And it's for one main reason. He now has Christ in his heart. He is full of Christ. So what's Paul to do? He doesn't want to send Onesimus back to the life he had before. If he does choose to do so, he does need assurance from Philemon that indeed he will set him free. So this is how he constructs, or this is why he constructs his letter. Very measuredly. Have you ever constructed a very well-measured letter to somebody? I was just talking to someone before the service who had to construct a very well-measured letter to get his point across to produce a change but not to offend. That's tricky sometimes. So that's what Paul's doing. He took this whole letter to, to get Philemon to understand this is a changed person. God is in his heart. He cannot, he can no longer be a slave. He's transformed. Let's take a look at Philemon 1, 15, 6, 15 to 16. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer a slave, but more than a slave. As a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord? In flesh and 
in the Lord. Do you see Paul working his heart? Do you see how the Lord is using Paul's letter to work on Philemon's heart? He continues in verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would me. Now what does that mean? Well, he is, he is showing Philemon that I have humbled myself to be at the same level as a useless slave. Can you humble yourself? Can you humble yourself? But see, none of this can happen. Brotherhood, transformation, renewal, none of it can happen unless one thing occurs. And we just sang about it. What was the song we just sang? Forgiveness. Before anything can move forward, Philemon is going to have to forgive Onesimus, his money-stealing runaway slave. Sounds easy, right? But like Lee Corso might say, not so fast, my friend. Because you see, forgiveness is one of the most difficult things that we have to do. I didn't say can do, have to do. And we'll get to that in a little bit. C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian author, he has a good quote to this regard. He says, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. So would you have forgiven Onesimus if you were Philemon? After all, the Onesimus that he knew was worthless. He was useless, and he didn't even have Christ in him. But that isn't the way it works. It isn't, can we forgive? We are expected to forgive. Here's another quote from C.S. Lewis concerning this forgiveness thing. And it's pretty powerful. It, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So think about it. We know what's right and wrong. I'm not sure if Ezra does yet. But we know what's right and wrong. But we still sin? Well, that's inexcusable, right? But Paul gives a wonderful picture to see in this short letter to Philemon. There's four main themes in Philemon. There are four main pictures. A picture of forgiveness. It's a picture of brotherhood. A picture of renewal and a picture of transformation. So... Let's just take a little time. Do you have a picture in your mind of Christian brotherhood? How about a picture of forgiveness? What does that look like in your, in your mind? Maybe you're picturing Philemon forgiving Onesimus. How about a picture of spiritual renewal? And then a picture of spiritual transformation. 
But you see in Numbers 2, 3, and 4, can't happen before number 1, forgiveness. So my question is, you struggling with forgiveness? Are you struggling with forgiving someone for really hurting you? Either recently, maybe 40 or 50 years ago. Are you struggling asking for forgiveness for something you said or did to someone so that there is forgiveness? Take some time, think about it. Do you have someone in your mind? You probably have more than one person in your mind. So how is holding on to that angst going for you? Probably not so hot. But I'm here to tell you today, this morning, that you can forgive. And you can ask for forgiveness. Jesus will be with you every step of the way. Remember the theme we talked about two weeks ago? God is with us wherever we go. After all, we have the greatest example of forgiveness that there will ever be. In Jesus coming to this earth, dying on that cross, taking all of our sins upon him, now that's forgiveness. Paul, in a letter to the city of Colossae, the same city where Philemon and Onesimus are, or end up, because Onesimus does go back. He writes a letter to the entire church, and he sums up what we've been talking about. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Doesn't seem to be a question there. It says do it. Forgive. Because this sin thing that we experience isn't going anywhere. There will continue to be people to forgive. And there will continue to be people for us to ask for forgiveness. But we can do it. Because you see, God's spirit is in us. Just like God's spirit is in little Ezra this morning. Through the grace of baptism... That sin is not worth holding on to. It wasn't easy for God to forgive us either, to put it mildly. After all, his one and his only son became flesh and he dwelt among us for one purpose and one purpose only, to pay the ultimate 
price so that we are forgiven. That's how much he loved us. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Now that's a lot of love and that's a lot of forgiveness. You see, Paul interceded for Onesimus just like Jesus intercedes for us. He needed Philemon to understand that he needed to forgive Onesimus. He needed Philemon to understand and remember that Jesus can transform lives. He can renew lives. After all, Paul, through the help of the Holy Spirit, reformed Philemon's life. He wasn't a believer before. So God sends Jesus into the batter's box for us. Because he doesn't want us to be in a pickle. He doesn't want us to try to figure out which way to go. The path is clear. There's only one way to be forgiven, and there's only one way to be saved. Because when Jesus steps in the batter's box, there is no doubt. He takes the perfect swing. And when the ball clears the fence, we freely get a run around the bases, don't we? There's no pickle. Because of what Jesus did for us. We are forgiven. And we will we will have that joy that we sang about in the first song when Jesus returns and the victory is complete. And we are united, our souls and our glorified bodies are united when Jesus comes back. Oh yeah, and then we will be home in the joy of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.